There is literally no other way to do this, to rise into eternal life, to transcend the limits of human frailty and mortality, to move forward into time beyond time. There's literally no other way to do this than to let go. For the last month, Jesus has been preparing to let go. He's spoken words about abiding in one another and being fruitful and lasting in life-changing ways, always in the context of after, after he is gone. And so we come to this moment of, of letting go, this moment of saying goodbye. Easter begins and ends with death and rising. The first death, the Good Friday death, is gruesome and heartbreaking. Yet the rising is beautiful and heals the heart's brokenness. The second death, the ascension, is slow. It lingers. Jesus lingers. Of course, there is sadness, even sorrow, but there is no horror here. In place of horror, there is only blessing. So much blessing. The disciples now know, they get it, the ending, the parting. It's inevitable. Yet unlike the first death, they are prepared this time around. They know that with this second ending, there will come a new beginning. For with God, nothing is ever truly final. Life will continue. And yet, as most of us know, parting from those we love is never easy. It is never easy to say goodbye. It is never easy to let go. I imagine the disciples would have returned to this story, retold this story of Jesus departing over and over again as a continual source of of comfort and strength, reminding one another that although they can no longer see him, he was still blessing their life over and over again. Through this second parting, Jesus' ascension, it would seem that the disciples are now also able to let go. They are able to ascend beyond the earthly realm of of doubt, of uncertainty, of faithlessness, of fear. And they now can embrace a vision of themselves, of the world that is defined through faith in God. They can embrace a truth of life empowered by God's love and God's blessing that takes the worst the world can do, the crucifixion of an innocent, the oppression, the marginalization of the least and the last and the different, be it the leper, the widow, the orphan, the sinner. God's love takes what the worst the worst the world can do and transforms those acts of death and suffering into new life, into new hope, into blessing. Jesus clearly says to the disciples before he lets go and ascends, 
You are witnesses to these things. And the implication is that after three years of living alongside him, witnessing his blessings, they too have a role now to play in God's redemptive work. The challenge of their ministry as witnesses becomes clear. Tell my story. Tell God's story. Tell the story that death does not have the last word. Go forth and proclaim repentance and forgiveness in my name. Let the world know that God is actively working to redeem all of creation through forgiveness, through justice, through mercy, and through a whole lot of blessing. Let go. Tell my story. Tell God's story. Tell your story of life with God. For you are witnesses to these things. During the season of Lent, while I was sporting my collar, I uh, found myself in a conversation with a woman. She was in her, her late 60s, and uh, she began the conversation with, Hi, I'm Catholic. And I replied to her, Hi, I'm United Methodist. Nice to meet you. Wanted to make sure we were on the same page. And she asked if she could ask me a question. And I said, of course, you can ask me a question. And she said, do you, do you think it's right to pray to saints? I, I pray to saints. Do you think that's okay? And I said, of course, I think it's okay to, to pray to saints. It's, it's part of your faith tradition. I, I said, I think the most important thing to remember is that a saint is not God. So as long as you're clear who is God and who is a saint, I think you're fine. But prayer is always a good thing, so pray. And then our conversation took a turn. She began to tell me about her broken faith. Her husband had died less than 12 months before and had been diagnosed with cancer only a short time before that. And a short time before her husband died, her father died suddenly. And so, in a very short period of time, she had lost two cornerstones of her life. Her life was now defined by grief and sorrow. Her life was now defined by uncertainty. She no longer went to Mass, although she was praying to her saints. And there were days, she said, that she just couldn't get out of the house. She had no hope. The issue she was having beyond the grief was why would God do this to her? Why would God abandon her and punish her in this way? So as I stood there listening to this woman, I'd never even got her name, witnessing her grief and her, her tears, which were threatening to just unleash themselves, himself at any moment in her shaking hands, I thought to myself, I am unprepared for this moment. Completely unprepared. I'm wearing a collar, but I am unprepared for this moment. This is not the right setting for such a meaningful conversation. And then I thought, I am meant 
to be in this moment. God placed me here for a reason. And the reason in reflection was so that I could bear witness to my faith for her. To tell my story of God's presence in my life. So that perhaps she might be able to let go of her grief a bit. To let go of her sorrow a bit. To maybe find a sliver of peace and hope that life will continue for her. To find the ability to ascend. And I said to her in that moment, God has not abandoned you, nor is God punishing you. Oftentimes we forget that we come from God and we return to God. And so your husband and your father first belong to God. And God grieves with you in this moment for your sorrow, for your loss, for his own. And she said, how do you know? (laughs) And And I said, because I live in hope. And I live in this faith that God loves me. God loves you. God loves us, all of us. And that God will never abandon or forget what God created out of love. God never promised us that life would be easy. God promised us that we would not be overcome. You will not be overcome. She smiled. She took my hand. She said, thank you. And we parted. Let go. Tell my story. Tell God's story. Tell your story of life with God. Upon Jesus' ascension, the disciples returned to Jerusalem, not heartbroken or grief-stricken, but filled with joy and thanksgiving. Their minds had been opened. They had accepted Christ's blessing. They were able to let go. Through the valley of death and suffering, they found and embraced new life. They knew the truth of God and Christ. They knew the truth of their own lives, their own purpose, and their work for God before them. Perhaps the reason we celebrate Ascension Sunday has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. I don't think it has anything to do with him. I think we celebrate Ascension Sunday to be reminded that like the disciples before us, we have the ability to ascend. We have the ability to ascend our failures, our past hurts and disappointments, to ascend our grief, to ascend the world's limitations are placed upon us. We have the ability to ascend. God invites us to ascend, not as mere observers gawking skyward, but as participants in God's redeeming work for all creation, so that others might believe and we might come to know our own ability to fly in this world. Let go. Tell my story. Tell God's story. 
tell your story of life with God. Amen.